right, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 10 is where we'll be this morning. Luke chapter 10, I'm so excited to be with you guys again for part two. You get me for two weeks, and I'm pumped. I'm glad, I'm glad to be here. So uh, I got a question for you guys. Are any of you guys, by chance, Chicago Blackhawks fans? Now, if you are, I just want to remind you that this week the playoffs started. And if you know me, I am born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I was wondering, I don't know if you guys have checked the scores, but this week the playoffs started and the Knights are up three to nothing on your Blackhawks. Today's game four, we're looking for the sweep. Just thought I'd throw that out there for you guys. Uh, I thought I'd make some friends this morning. So, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, I was like, wow, what a coincidence. Vegas is playing Chicago in the first round. This is awesome. I, I'm going to have to, Charlton asked me last week, he's like, you want to talk about the Blackhawks night series? I said, I'll wait till we're up 3-0. And it happened. So I thought about wearing my Knights jersey today, but that's just a little too far. I can't, can't be that mean to you guys. So, But I'm so excited to be here this morning. This morning, I'm going to share with you guys what has probably been the most life-changing passage of Scripture in my entire life. It's been that life-changing for me, and I'm so excited for what God's Word has to say this morning. The title for this morning is Relationship Status. Relationship Status. So if you'll look with me, Luke 10 is where we're at. We're going to start in verse 38. Maybe a familiar passage for some of you guys. Luke 10, verse 38, the Bible says this. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray and we'll dive into this passage. Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy, your love. Lord, I thank you for salvation and you going to the cross. Lord, as we look into your word this morning, will you open the hearts of the listener? And Lord, I just pray it will be a blessing and encouragement. And Lord, that today we'll leave more like you and wanting to know you more. I pray you bless this time. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Here we're introduced to two sisters, Mary and Martha. I'm sure you've heard of them before. They, in fact, they have a brother named Lazarus. Jesus, if you remember, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus loved this family. Jesus, he's coming over to see Mary and Martha. They're his friends. Same with Lazarus. And Jesus is on his way over. Now, I'm sure you can imagine me. If Jesus was coming over to your house today, you would be, I, I can see those moms in here, you would want everything perfect. If you moms are anything like my mom was, no matter what guest was coming over, our house was going to be immaculate. It was going to be wonderful. But if Jesus was coming over, oh, that's another story. I mean, the floor is going to be swept with our toothbrushes. Our, uh, our meal is going to be the best meal she's ever made because Jesus is coming over. You know, and that's Martha. Martha is like, wow, Jesus is coming over, and we've got to make sure everything's perfect. So here comes Jesus. He, he makes it, and Mary and Martha, they're like, oh, Jesus, what's up? We're so glad you're here. Come on in. We're homies. And so they come, and um, they come in, and Jesus sits down, and Mary sits at Jesus' feet, and she just spends time with the Lord. And Martha, she's in the kitchen. I'm sure she's got something cooking on the stovetop, something in the oven, her favorite casserole. She's making the perfect meal. And you know, I can relate with Martha. 
I feel like Martha comes around the corner and she, she looks over and she sees Mary. She kind of becomes a little frustrated. Mary, what are you doing? You know, I can relate to this exactly because I have seven siblings. You know, and each of us had a job to do. Each of us had a chore growing up. And so there's eight of us kids total. So after a meal, you know, one person will wipe the table. One person dries. One person does the dishes. One person sweeps. One person wipes the counter. The whole shebang so everything gets done quickly. But my older sister, I'll say her name, Chrissy. You guys don't know her, so it's all right. Chrissy, if you're watching. Chrissy, she was the oldest, and she found a way to get out of it. You see, once the meal was over, she figured, if I can leave and go sit on the toilet for 20 minutes, I don't have to do any of it. You know, so the first night, okay, not a big deal. Night number two comes, all right, where's Chrissy? I don't know. Well, let's just do her work. But after a few weeks, it, it just became, oh, meal's over. Chrissy, where's Chrissy? She's in the bathroom again. You know, and then so we're going, Dad, come on. Come on, why does Chrissy not have to do any work? She's in the bathroom. But then we just learned to pick up on it. So it was kind of a fight. Who can make it to the bathroom first after dinner? And they didn't have to do their chore. And so it was kind of like this competition, you know, like, who's going to make it tonight? Uh, but so I can relate with Martha. She's like, come Jesus, tell her, tell her to come help me. You know, I'm trying to get this stuff ready for you. I'm trying to do these good things. I have this perfect meal for you. And she's just sitting here being a bum. Tell her to come help me. And Jesus' response is so life-changing. It is this in verse 42. But one thing is necessary. But this one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. This morning, we're going to look at relationship status. This morning, I want to talk about your relationship with Jesus. Point number one this morning is, having a relationship with Jesus is necessary. Having a relationship with Jesus is necessary. I'm going to quote Jesus right here. He's my favorite person to quote. He's got a lot of good sayings. He says this, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion. What is this one thing that is necessary? Well, it gives it to us here in verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. What is Mary doing? She's simply sitting at the Lord's feet and having a relationship with him. It's a simple relationship. She's hearing from him and she's talking to him. You see, having a relationship is necessary. Jesus goes on to say, what Mary is doing is necessary and it is needed. She's having a relationship with me. You know, it's interesting. My youth pastor, he used to do this um, in like youth groups. He'd kind of have us all bow our heads and it was kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a, you know, a personal check, you know, and everyone bowed their heads, closed their eyes and he said, all right, now I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and be honest with me. This morning... If you spent time with the Lord, if you read the Bible, if you, if you prayed, if you spent time with a relationship with Jesus, raise your hand. All right, all right. The, the hands, there are very few. All right. How about this last week? I'll give you a whole week. This last week, did you spend time with Jesus this week? Raise your hand. You know, and then, okay. So, so some people would raise their hands. Others wouldn't. Well, what about the last month? Have you spent one day the last month spending time in a personal relationship with Jesus? You know, and me personally... Very rarely could I actually say yes, which is sad. It's really sad. You know, and as a teenager, I just didn't think it was that important. But here Jesus, he says himself, this relationship is necessary. A relationship with Jesus is necessary. 
You know, it's interesting. So what is, what is the best way to have a healthy relationship? What, how do you have a healthy relationship? You communicate. You communicate. Without communication, your relationship is flawed. Am I right? You know, I have a wife. I love my wife. If my wife and I went a whole week without talking at all, I didn't talk to her one word, she didn't talk to me one word, what would happen to that relationship? We would grow apart. Because I don't know what's going on in her life, she doesn't know what's going on in mine, and there's a lack of communication. You know, I have a relationship with Pastor Ryan. Pastor Ryan, we have a kind of interesting relationship, because he's my boss, but he's my friend, but he's my coworker, but he's my pastor. He's kind of like all those in one, so he's kind of like flipping the hats. And that was one of the first conversations we actually had together. So we have an interesting relationship, but you know what? When he comes back on Tuesday from vacation, I can guarantee you he's going to say, Thomas, let's meet up. When, when are you free this week? Let's talk. Because we've gone two weeks with very little communication, and without this communication, he needs to know what's going on in my life. Am I doing my job correctly? What ways am I growing? How can I grow more? How can he help me along? What's going on with student ministry? He needs to know because he's my boss, he's my pastor, he needs to know what's going on. But if there's no communication there, there's a lack. You know, but not only is there an importance in communication with, you know, humans here on earth, there's an importance in your communication with the Lord. You say, all right, well, how do I communicate with the Lord? Well, it's the simple, it's simple answer, just as we communicate with each other. You talk to and you listen. You talk to and you listen. You see, you can't communicate if you don't listen. You can't communicate if you're not sharing how you feel. You see, and that's how my wife and I, um, I'm very open. If I feel something, I'm saying it. But like my wife, she needs to think it through. And I'm like, babe, just, just tell me what's on your mind. And she's like, I'm thinking about it. You know, and maybe some of you guys are like that. But I'm just like, I want to know what you're thinking. You know, it's important in the communication you talk to and you listen. You know, but the same way with our relationship with Jesus. You talk to and you listen. How do you, how do you listen from God? How, how do you listen from God? And the simple answer is this. You have his Bible. You, you have your Bible. And I can imagine this morning, many of you guys in here, you guys have your Bible, right? I, I would, it's either in your lap, maybe it's on a shelf at home, maybe it's an app on your phone. I, I would assume many of you have a Bible, whether it be a hardback, KJV, NIV, ESV, whatever you read, version, whatever you have, I'm sure you have a Bible. Now, if I was to come to you today and I was to say, hey, I'll give you $5 million if you let me have all your Bibles and you were to never touch a Bible again, never see a Bible again, never read a Bible again, never hear from a Bible again, nothing. But I'll give you $5 million if you trade your Bible for $5 million bucks. Well, I would assume many of you in this room would say, no way! My Bible's worth more than that to me because the Bible is the Word of God. All right, absolutely. But now, say if I had a $5 million house or a $5 million car. Now, I'm telling you, if I had a $5 million car, that baby is going to be beautiful. I, if a speck of pollen gets on that, I'm taking it to the wash, full, full service. Why? I'm going to care for that. I'm going to protect it. I'm going to build a garage for it. I'm going to build its own place to sleep because it's worth $5 million. I'm going to care for it. Man, if I had a $5 million house, I'm going to invest in it and care for it. But see, many of you guys just told me, you, you have a $5 million asset right here. But when was the last time you took time to invest in it and to learn from it and to dive into it? Man, if you had a $5 million house or a $5 million car, man, you're going to invest in that and make sure it's up to date and perfect. You see, you have a $5 million asset right here. Are you treating it like it's worth $5 million? Are you spending time getting to know your Savior? How do you listen to God? It's simple. 
It's reading his word. Are you spending time in the word as a relationship with Jesus? You know, that's how you listen from God. What does God have to say? It's all found right here. But how do you talk to God? How do you talk to God? And the simple answer, it's very simple again, it's through prayer. It's through prayer. It's interesting. I can imagine many of you guys have a smartphone or some type of phone, whether it's smart or dumb. I'm sure you guys have a phone, right? Now, many of you guys, when you guys get that notification saying 20% battery left, 10% battery left, many of you guys, if you're like me, you freak out. I need a charger. Where, where's the charger? You know, I need, to, I need to go find some place to plug my phone in. Why? Because when a phone is charged, it's pretty incredible. I can, I can search the internet. I can buy a car. I can FaceTime and see my family. I can do amazing things when my phone is charged. It's incredible. But the moment my phone dies, it is useless. But that's why you need to go get your charger. You go plug it in. Maybe if you're at work or you're at someone's house, you're like, hey, my phone's about to die. Do you have a charger? Because it needs to be charged up. It's valuable, but it needs to be charged. You know, some of you guys, you bring a charger wherever you go. Some of you guys bought like one of those battery packs to plug in your phone, you know? And some of you guys went to the extent you have a phone case that has a battery pack built in. So your phone starts to die. Oh, just charge it up on my case. You see, because your phone is that valuable to you and having that power is needed. You see, I think of our prayer life as the power source to our relationship with Jesus. You see, in and through ourselves, we're very useless. We can't do anything of ourselves. That's why we've got to be connected and plugged into our power source. And that's through prayer. That's simple. It's through prayer. You see, we can't do anything unless we have the Lord. And how do we have the Lord? We go before him and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, today I need you. I can't get through this day. Lord, will you help me to love like you love? Will you help me to forgive like you forgive? Will you help me live like you live? When was the last time you actually spent time connecting to your power source? Meaningful time. Not, not Jesus, thank you for this food. Bless us our body in Jesus' name. Amen. No, Lord, this is the burdens on my heart. Lord, this is the desires of my heart. Lord, I want to know you more. Lord, today I need you. I can't go today without you. You see, because without Jesus Christ, you're useless. But when you're connected to that power source, you're incredible, you're valuable. But it's only when you're connected to that power source. You see, through God's word, through prayer, you can have a relationship with Jesus. But it's not just you can have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus himself said, a relationship with me is necessary. So I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time you spent and had a good morning or a good day having a good relationship with Jesus. It's important. Now, point number two, point number two this morning is this. God is not interested in your work for him until you first have the proper relationship with him. God is not interested in your work for him until you first have the proper relationship with him. This is so interesting. I'm going to let you guys in a little insight into my life. And this has been so impactful and life-changing to me, and I'm going to tell you why. At the age of two, I was adopted, and the Lord really blessed me with an amazing family. He gave me a family that loved the Lord, wanted the best for me. They spoiled me, and they made sure I was in church whenever the doors were open. 
I'm telling you, I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, and then kindergarten through 12th grade, I went to the Christian school at the church. So I was there Sunday through Friday, and most Saturdays, because there was events, and then when I was a teenager, we went out teen soul winning, and every Saturday I was there. I pretty much lived at the church. I was always at the church. And you know, in my Christian school, I was memorizing Bible verses. And as I got older, I was volunteering for kids' classes, and I was teaching, and uh, I was memorizing verses, and I was going Sunday morning, Sunday night, I was in Sunday school, I was going on soul winning on Saturdays, and I was doing all these good things. You know, but what I was doing is I was being a Martha. I was letting my work get in the way of my worship. I was letting my work for Christ be more important than my worship of Christ. You see, and my fear this morning is this. There may be many of you in here that are like, like I was. You know, I, I did good things. Man, God, don't you see I'm trying to work hard for you? I, I'm trying to memorize your word. I, I'm volunteering. I'm going to small group. I'm part of a, some ministry team. Look, I'm working. But many of you guys, you'll take that and you'll make that a replacement for your relationship with Jesus. You see, you know how I know that? Because I was guilty of that for the longest time. Why couldn't I say I had a relationship with Jesus, one that was thriving and growing? Because I thought my work was good enough. You see, but Jesus isn't impressed with what you can do for him. You see, Jesus created you. He made you. Any talents, gifts, abilities that you have, they're only there because he allowed you to have them, and he could take them away today. He's not impressed with what you can do for him. But, but Jesus, I'm working so hard. I get up at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning so I can be in church. Is that a good thing? Absolutely. It's a great thing. But if you didn't spend time with Jesus this morning or yesterday, you missed it. You missed it. Because Jesus wants that relationship with you. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. When you don't have that relationship, but you continually try to work for Christ, you, you go to church and you serve and you're in small group and you're doing all these good things for Christ. You know, you're doing it out of your own power and your own will. And eventually that gets tiring. It gets discouraging. You know, someone offends you and someone displeases you and you, you're upset. You know, and then you're like, man, what, what am I doing? But the opposite of that is this. If you have a real relationship with Jesus, if you're seeking him each and every day, you're going to want to work for him. You see, when you grow closer to him, when he becomes more real to you, when you grow a love for Jesus, he becomes more real in your life. And when he's more real in your life, you want to work for him. You want to get up and go to church. You want to serve. You want to go to small group. But it's all propelled out of having a relationship with Jesus. But if you got it backward and you're saying, Jesus, I'm trying to impress you. Look, I'm going to church. I'm trying to volunteer. I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm trying to spread the gospel. But you don't have that relationship with him every day. You missed the point. You missed it. Jesus wants that relationship with you. You see, Martha, she was doing good things. She was serving Jesus. Isn't that a good thing? Absolutely. And is serving Jesus good things 100%. But if you're not having that relationship with him personally, if the only time you open your Bible is Sunday morning, you missed it. You missed it. Because Jesus wants that relationship with you. That propels us into our third point this morning. And it's simply this. It's the cost of the relationship. The cost of the relationship. 
Now, can you see the cost of the relationship in this passage? No. But a few chapters later, you can. And for us to understand the cost of the relationship, we got to go all the way back to Genesis. All the way back to the beginning. You see, in the beginning, God created everything. He created everything. You read through Genesis 1 and 2, you're going to see God created everything. And then you're going to see God created two people, Adam and Eve, his homies. He created Adam and Eve. And he created them, why? To have a relationship with them that they may bring glory to him. And you see, they're in a garden in a perfect world. There was no sin. It was beautiful. And the best part was they had a perfect fellowship and relationship with God. Every day, God would come down, and they would walk together through the garden. They would, commu- they, would, uh, they would talk back and forth, and they'd probably have meals together. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was awesome. They had a relationship with Jesus. It was awesome. But Jesus gave them one rule. They said, hey, there's one tree you're not allowed to eat from it. One tree. That's all you have to do. There's one tree. Well, one day, Satan, disguised as a serpent, came up to Eve and said, hey, you're not really going to die that Jesus got, he, he really didn't say that. You can eat it. So she was deceived. She took that fruit and she ate it. Immediately, she disobeyed God. She then took it to her husband and she's like, hey, Adam, look, the fruit's actually pretty good. I didn't die. I made it. I survived. I'm a fighter. You can have some. Adam's like, well, God said not to, but you're my homie, so took a bite. Immediately, both of them disobeyed God. And immediately, both of them died. They didn't die physically because they still lived. But immediately in that moment, spiritually, they were broken from their fellowship with God. They realized they had sinned. They realized their nakedness. They went and hid and covered them up. So when Jesus came forth that day and said, hey, hey, I'm back. I'm here. Where, Where are you guys? I'm ready to have the relationship. What happened? It was broken because of sin. It was broken. And not only that, we serve a just and holy God, and a just and holy God can't let sin go unpunished. So he had to create a punishment for sin. Not only was the fellowship and relationship broken, but a punishment was created. And there, he goes to Adam and Eve, and he's he's like, guys, you've sinned, you've messed up. There was consequences that were given, but he also made a promise. He said, look, our, our relationship will never be the same because of your sin. But I don't want it to be that way. So I'm going to make a way for you to have a relationship with him. I'm going to make a way for you to have a relationship with him. Thousands of years later, that way was made possible when a baby named Jesus was born. Jesus was born in a little stable in Bethlehem. And you know, he lived a perfect life. Why? Because he was God himself. God gave his one and only son in Jesus Christ to come to earth with the simple purpose of restoring a relationship. You see, a relationship was so important to Jesus, he was willing to leave his throne to come to earth. He was willing to go through and live a life on this nasty earth compared to heaven where you're walking on streets of gold, now you're coming and walking on streets of gravel with potholes. Like, he, he's giving up so much for you and for me. Not only that, but Jesus would live a perfect life, but one day he would be arrested. He would be arrested, and he would brought before a judge in an unfair trial. 
They would lie and accuse him. They, they, would, they would torture him. They would come and spit in his face. They would, they would slap him and say, hey, who hit you? They would rip out his beard. And then they took him and they beat him over and over and over again to the point where he no longer even looked like a man. You know, so oftentimes we can forget just how much Jesus gave for us. He went through the worst torture any person could ever go through. You know, in me growing up, I always thought that Jesus did that to save me from my sins, and that's where it stopped. Jesus went to the cross to save me from my sins so I can go to heaven. Is that true? Absolutely. But I missed it. Jesus didn't go through all of that. Jesus didn't go to a cross and get nailed through his hands and through his feet to hang there and die that day just to save you. He did it to give you a relationship. When he died and when he rose again, he fixed what was broken. He made a way for you to have a relationship with God himself. He gave himself for you to have a relationship. You were worth that much to Jesus. But yet, is Jesus worth that much to you? You see, you were worth so much to him. He was willing to die on a cross and get beaten and get bruised when he didn't deserve any of it. Because he wanted to restore that relationship with you. That's how much you mean to Jesus. Does Jesus mean the same to you? He loves you that much that he is willing to die for you. But yet we can't give him 20 minutes of our day. We're too busy. Our family, there's too much going on. Our work, I'm just too busy with work. And yet Jesus, the one who died to have a relationship with you, is left on the sidelines. So what's your relationship status this morning? Do you have a real relationship with Jesus each and every day? You see, Jesus himself, he said a relationship is necessary. And this morning, I want to tell you, don't let your work become a distraction as Martha did. Don't let it become a distraction. Your relationship is what's first and foremost important. And third, there was a major cost for you to have that relationship. Jesus paid the ultimate price just so you can have that fellowship with him. Do you treat it like it's that valuable? This morning, what's your relationship status? Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love. Lord, I thank you for the privilege it is just to know you and to have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray this morning as your word was presented, that, Lord, your heart was shown forth. Lord, that you want to have a relationship with each and every person in this room. Lord, that a relationship to you is so important, you were willing to go to a cross and die for us. Lord, let us never take your, a relationship with you for granted. Lord, I pray today we'll go home and be closer to you. We'll want to know you more. We'll, we'll go and spend time with you each and every day, and nothing will become a distraction. And Lord, by becoming closer to you, we'll want to work for you. We'll want to know you more. Lord, I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.